Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Zadak, TV voice of the Cincinnati Reds, and you're up for Late Night Reds Talk. Hello, everybody. My name is Tim Daniel, and welcome to Late Night Reds Talk, the live show and podcast that loves the Cincinnati Reds, part of the Believe Podcast Network, presented as always by Bet Online. Our show is live streamed on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook, and the podcast version is always up for the next morning. I am joined today, as always, by Nick Kirby, Carlos Guevara, and in just a moment, our good friend and Cincinnati Reds Director of Media Relations, Mr. Jamie Ramsey. If you're watching it on YouTube, please take two seconds to hit the like button and subscribe to our channel. It really helps us continue to grow the show and our network. Uh, before we get started, let's have Nick come on and tell you about our partner, Bet Online, who have the Cincinnati Bengals as three-point underdogs this Sunday night against the Baltimore Ravens. All right, football is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and games trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head on over to Bet Online today and use our promo code BELIEVE, that is B L E A V and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Just be sure to use that promo code BELIEVE. Bet online is where the game starts. Perfect. Awesome. Well, we'll bring Jamie back in here in just a moment. We're going to talk real quick about uh, today's game. Obviously, the Reds do take the loss uh, to the Cubs uh, by a score of 15-2. Yes, we know it is loss 100 on the season, uh, but we're not here to talk about that, obviously. Um Obviously, a bummer of a way to end the year, but just a kind of a crazy game. The Reds will now have the fourth best lottery odds going into this lottery, this season's lottery, which we look looks like it could potentially be uh, December sixth. So that's going to be pretty cool. And the Reds and the Pirates do tie for the sixty-two one hundred record, but the Reds have the tiebreaker. So just remember, folks, when things aren't bad, we're not Pittsburgh. So, or we are Pittsburgh. <laughs> I mean. You know, the standings say we're not. So we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that. Um, but with that being said, guys, it's playoff time, right? Postseason baseball. All yeah. day Friday. I'm still oh, pretty stoked for the wild card round, man. I uh noon, we get the game at first game at noon. I'm stoked. I'm gonna have to stock up on groceries and stuff tomorrow. And you know what I mean by stuff, baby. <laughs> Uh, man, it's gonna be a good day Friday. Some PBR, Carlos. You know you're gonna break out the good stuff. I'll mix one in. I'll mix one in. Oh, it's ah, man, that's wild. I'll probably get something better. That's just me though. Um, I'm just kidding. I love you, buddy. But we did kind of real quick wanted to go through and we did make our awesome awesome brackets. Who you should totally listen to me on this, obviously. Uh, just kind of breaking down how we see the postseason going. I picked the Astros to win the series against the Braves. Um, unfortunately, did pick St. Louis getting to the divisional round against Atlanta. and But I did pick the Guardians to get to the divisional round against the Yankees. Just love that three-pitcher three set so, uh, going into the Tampa Bay series. Uh, so, yeah, Astros over the Braves is my pick. I'm 100% sure this is not going to happen, but... You know, Nick asked me to fill out a bracket and give it a shot. Yeah, I got the uh, the Dodgers over the Astros. Just think those are pretty clearly the the two best teams. Uh, playoffs are always a crapshoot, though, so you never know. My kind of sleeper, I don't even really like them. I think they're kind of a poorly constructed team, but I think the Phillies are really like dangerous in short series with their uh, top of the rotation pitching. So I just kind of have them advancing. And I always like to pick against that hot team that everyone loves at the end. Cause I feel like that always bites everyone. And I think that's the brave. So that's what I went with Carlos. What do you got? Well, a couple things here. First of all, Nick, you just had your New York Mets uniform on, on your little photo <laughs> there with the orange and blue, which I don't appreciate. And I also don't appreciate either of you or Tim picking my Padres to, to win. It's not like we're betting anything. You can like show me a little bit of something, guys. 
anything I, I don't know uh but yeah i think the dodgers they're just they're too much to handle man the astros they've they're really good they of anyone they match up with them probably the best but i just the dodgers they're just too deep they're, they're too deep their lineup is too long you have a long lineup oof that's tough in the postseason man i'm just hoping my padres make a make a series out of it yeah and they've had good they had good success uh this year so far so Took two out of three both times. Yeah, it's just you know probably not going to be using Josh Hader much. This this hopefully is probably the game plan. Yeah, because they're blowing them out. Yeah, exactly. Um, Well, awesome. Let's go ahead, guys. We'll get to the conversation with our good friend. Let's bring on Jamie Ramsey. Hey, buddy, it's good to see you. I really appreciate that you're rocking the sweet vest from your office today to talk with us. So. It looks even more professional for us that you're here. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, guys. And you guys know how much I like you guys and um, enjoy talking to you guys. You guys are always fair and um, knowledgeable and friendly. And uh, it's just a, it's just a pleasure to be on here with you guys. Yeah, we always love having you on. Uh, obviously, you're very good to us. And we're definitely grateful. Um, I just want to let anyone know out there who's a bobblehead collector. Uh, your collection's nowhere near as good as Jamie's, so don't even try. Let me see. Can I try this real fast? Go for it. Here, here we go. Yeah, that working. That's working. Okay. Spectacular. Something like that. It's to the point now that um, um, I had to stop putting some up. I have a bunch in boxes now because there's no more room. The annex. I saw it firsthand. I remember when you guys came by. We didn't know if you wanted us to share that, so we, yeah. you know, we, we know you're a private person. So, <laughs> no, it's good because I'll show everybody in case you know when it's when I when it's time for me to get fired or um, dismissed from the organization. Maybe I can have somebody buy these so I don't have to um, clean clean up my office when I leave. It's at least two <laughs> years of retirement, right? <laughs> Never know nowadays. Yeah, no kidding. I'm about to list a ton of mine on eBay myself, so <laughs> just to make room. Um, so let's kind of go real quick, Jay, because obviously the season was definitely a unique one. Um, can we kind of first talk about actually, you know, with you being director of media relations, it has been a little while since you've been on the show. Mm-hmm. Kind of talk about your day in and day out job for the people who don't really know what all you do. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's you know, the, the common question I'll get now is like, what do you do in the off season? And that's a, I don't know really how to take that question anymore because um, as you guys know, it's a, um, it's a 12 month job and in season out of season. So um, we're going to get, we're going to get cracking us, uh, Rob Butcher, Larry Herms and I are going to get cracking on the 2023 media guide. Um, And that's a, uh, that's quite an undertaking in our big off season project, but um from here on out, it's definitely going to be catching up on some vacation time, some family time. Um, but we basically just kind of, uh, as a, as a unit of, as the, uh, media relations unit here for the Reds, we, we are the liaison between the media and the, um, the, the staff, the players, um, front office, um, manager coaches, um, with the media. So we are the kind of the, the, the middleman in that situation where we, you know, basically maintain relations with the media and, um, you know, try to get, um, it also serves as a, um, as a PR slash PR thing where we, we want to get our players and our, our brand out there as well. Yeah. You have an awesome day-to-day gig. I know we've gotten to talk quite a bit about some of the cool things you've been able to do in your time. So it's awesome, man. We're really, really always enjoy this stuff. So let's kind of go through the season and review, I guess we'll call this the season and review episode. Um, obviously as Nick shows here on the graphic, this is definitely a year it could have broken down into three chapters. Um, obviously the really tough three and 22 start when anything that could go wrong went wrong at that time. Uh, then may through the trade deadline, they make a, you know, they play really good baseball. Uh, you kind of see a bunch of guys kind of step up. Brandon Drury was awesome for that short time. He was with the team there for a bit and, you know, they were still battling injuries. Guys like Jonathan India going out, Tyler Stevenson going out. Um, and then, kind of have you know post trade deadline uh kind of start to see the beginning of the development for the future of the organization see who's you know going to help them out uh so we get to the end of the season where they go 20 and 39 to end the year post the trade deadline uh but with that being said you know there's a lot we can definitely talk about uh kind of gene kind of get your thoughts really particularly 
And uh, the three and twenty-two start, you know, obviously were really tough, but the way they rebounded, the way they kind of made a run at it again, and you kind of saw different things. Uh, you know, the two players in that dra- graphic aren't on the team anymore, obviously, but uh, you know, certainly made things pretty fun there in the middle months of the year. Yeah, I mean, you guys are being kind, and you don't have to do that for my benefit. We just the team just lost its one hundredth game, um, and of, this is my twenty-fifth season working for the Reds, and arguably the 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 worst the most unenjoyable one um and i don't think i'm you know you know being unfair by saying that um you know it's it's one of those seasons where um the days feel like weeks the weeks feel like months and the months feel like years and you know you you kind of just have to put your head down and um um, keep doing your job and you know um, trying to do everything you can for this organization win or lose and i think that's um it's seasons like these where it kind of tests who you are and what what you're about because it's really easy to do this job when you know you're you're going to the playoffs or you're about to win 90 games or so so these are the seasons that i'm kind of personally most proud of that you can still get the the work done and i know i'm not really answering your question but um it's just been a really difficult year it's been a long day today um, and, um, it's just been a long season. The three and 22 was very difficult. I mean, everybody saw the things that happened on in the field and off the field at the beginning of the first, um, you know, month or so of the season. And that was difficult. It was difficult for everybody that worked here. It was difficult for our fans. Um, but we kept going and that's, that's the schedule says you play the next day. And so, uh, you know, the way that this team played in that middle chunk of that graphic you showed there um, was very commendable. And I think um, um, there's a lot um, to be proud of for those guys that, you know, put that did it every day and the people that went out and tried to make it happen. Um, Obviously after the trade deadline, I think it wasn't really a surprise to anybody to see the perform that to not expect too much out of the team in the second, after the trade deadline for, you know, obvious reasons, but, I think the way the team did play in this last particular part of the season was incredibly disappointing. Um, and, you know, whether you're expected to win or not in, in fans' views' eyes, we, all of us here, um, the players, the staff, come here um, to expect to win. And, um, you know, it's, it's, you're going to have to, we're going to have to wear it. I mean, there's no spinning this, there's no, you know, there's nothing I can say that's going to make um, this go away. And the, the thing you're going to have to do is wear it. And I think that's what the organization is going to do. And um, I think that's what the players and the coaches and the managers are going to do. So um, it's just, you know, just try to make it happen when you can and keep doing the things off the field that are going to make you win next year. Something a little more fun, maybe depending on your perspective, uh, I thought the trade deadline was fascinating. The fact the Reds moved five like legit major league players like that just doesn't happen. I, I don't think people realize how much like effort goes into each trade from both sides. How how chaotic was that like behind the scenes? Can you take us behind like how how wild that was because it, it felt wild and and kind of crazy from the outside. Yeah, you know it's fun because the position I'm in is um, well. First, let me just say that. Whenever, you know, mainstays of the team, popular players leave, that's never fun per se. The process of the trade deadline, especially this year, for me, and I get why fans don't like to hear this, but it was something that I was looking forward to because you kind of knew where things were going and you wanted to see, okay, let's – let's see how this team is going to try to improve itself for years to come. And in that regard, um, and this is me talking as a fan, um, and part of it is I'm in the office here, so you know, it wouldn't be fair to me to say that I don't have you know, uh, some investments in this, but I think the team, I think Nick hit it out of the park when it comes to improving, setting, at least setting this team up um, for sustainable success and i think that's something that i hope fans will get to enjoy coming up in the future now 
you know, getting rid of Castillo and Mally, that's, that sucks. You know, it does. And I get it. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a really neat process. And the, and the position that I'm in, in the media relations department is that I get like myself, Larry, Rob, we get a heads up on what's, what to expect to happen. Um, so part of us knows what's coming down, not for sure, because things can kind of go sideways and I've seen it happen, but it's also, I'm in that also the same boat where everybody else is, is like where I'm checking and refreshing MLB trade rumors, um, every day around that time. So that's fun. And then when you hear who you're going to get, and I'm, I'm writing a press release for, um, you know, Marte and some of these guys and the, the weird thing, and I think I can tell you now that, um, now that, you know, the season has ended and the trade line, all that stuff's gone. But the day of um, the the trade with the Castillo trade, I had just so happened to um, just go on the Mariners um, MLB pipeline site just to see, like, what we might expect to get ready for. And part of it was I need to be prepared to write a press release in case it comes to that. And I just remember seeing, watching video highlights and, checking stats of uh, Marte. And I thought, man, this guy is really good. So maybe you can't, I mean, you know, this is me seeing it like within 10 minutes, you know, casting a scouting report, but getting excited about that. And I felt like almost reignited, like my, my desire for baseball and moving forward and everything started. There was another, there was an ignition there. I thought like, well, maybe if we can't get Marte, what about, you know, some of these other guys down the line. And so later in that day, during the game, actually, um, Nick Crawl pops into the booth where I sit and with Rob, and he gives us a heads up to get, you know, this press release ready. And things start really moving fast after that. And sure enough, we got the press release ready and it was everybody on that list that I was like, man, it would be awesome to get him or it'd be awesome to get him. And you got all of those, all of the guys. And I was, I, it, it was exciting. And I was, uh, I, it, it kind of fired me up a little bit. So obviously, you know, post deadline, kind of seeing everything kind of go the way that did and kind of seeing guys kind of really, seeing a lot of guys really learn how to be a big leaguer um, mm-hmm. at the time frame kind of might be the best way to put it. You know, they do struggle down the stretch. Um, obviously, Joey goes down with the shoulder injury. And at this point, Stevenson's already out. India's been in and out of the lineup with injuries. And Senzel gets hurt, obviously, a few weeks with the season left to go. But so with all that kind of adds up to the recipe of, you know, disaster, I guess is one way people will put it, uh, 20 and 39. But, you know, at some point when you lose when you lose 100 games, you know, how much is that really like? Is that something that you feel really affects it? Is it like, is losing 100 games at this point worse than losing 90 games? Like, how do you kind of look at that end of the season stretch? I think it, I think losing 100 games is, um, it, 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 you feel it. And, and, and especially from this organization that's been around since the 1800s um, and who's on, and the franchise has only had one other 100 loss season. So it's not fun. I don't particularly, I'm not proud of being part of, uh, you know, such dubious history. Um, part of me is embarrassed, but, you know, I also know where this organization's going and um, I have faith, and um, it just kind of makes me want to um, see it through where I want to celebrate. I'm, it makes me hungrier to celebrate when the team is going to, um, and it will be good. Nick, Carlos kind of bring you in here. Um, obviously, Carlos, you have had some good and bad in your, in your big league career, in your, in, your major, in your baseball career, as far as like seeing good teams and bad teams. What, what does that, you know? What does that feel like? I, mean, I don't know if you've ever been on a team that's lost 100 games. I didn't go that deep into your baseball reference page, obviously. Um, but, you know, what what is that feeling like come to the end of the season where things just didn't go your way? Um, it's, it's hard to talk about it, to compare it from the minor league season because, you know, that 2004 Dayton Dragons team, pretty sure we lost 90-plus games. So that's probably even worse than losing 100 at the big league level. That's how bad we were. And there was probably six or seven big league players eventually on that team. Um, So it was, 
it comes down to the end and it's not there's there's like no team to it it's all about every day each kid each player is out there fighting for his job and that was the case this year with the big league team all these guys are out there fighting for their job they're they're having their audition right now in September and it's hard to have a team aspect like that whenever everybody is out there trying to get theirs and that's what was happening and that's what should happen right now whenever they're trying to rebuild and you heard Barry Larkin and and um you know Sadak talking about today how th- there's really no identity this 2022 team because there's so many ups and downs and then there's so many players that are you know, 4A type of players that are just trying to fight and prove their worth, that it, it's hard to to grow as a family, as a team, because they're just so tunnel vision on their individual career, in which they should be, because none, you know, most of these guys are just fringe players. So it, it makes it tough, man. It, re- it really does. Yeah, I mean, I would take a, a little bit of a different approach. I mean, I think like the 3 and 22, certainly 100% fair for criticism. I think the Reds being, you know, I think they were 19 games under 500 at the trade deadline. Completely fair for criticism. I think what happened at the end, I, it is what it is. I mean, I, honestly, I don't think there's more than a couple legit big league players in the lineup every day. So whatever the results are, I, I don't know. I don't really put a whole lot of stock into that again. Beginning of the season, you know, I think it's more, you know, fair for criticism and, and all those kind of things. What happened at the end? I don't know. It kind of just is what it is for me. Yeah, that that middle of the season, that thirty nine thirty nine stretch, um, I'm pretty sure we were all like, "Yo, this is the team that we thought we were going to get, be a five hundred team. They're going to go on streaks of winning. They're going to go on streaks of losing, but this is where they're going to be. They might be a contention at the end, base case scenario, best case scenario, but injuries upon injuries upon injuries, just you can't overcome that. No, no team. I don't care. If you're the Yankees, I don't care if you're the Dodgers. If you get 85% of your starting uh, opening day roster hurt, this is this is what's going to happen. And it sucks when it happens on a rebuilding year to make it even worse. It's just throwing salt on the wound, and that's what happened all effing year. Yeah, it really just kind of felt a lot like it just could never be fully together because it was like even, you know, coming out of the spring training – it's like after all the, the you know the Winker deal and everything like that, and it's like, well, Jake Freely's hurt, and it's like, well, you know, this is just off to a great start. So, yeah, it was pretty pretty brutal. Um, I know Carlos had a very important question. He's been waiting to ask Jamie for some time. So, Jamie, you know what's coming. I do, and I'm going to say this, and I'm going to just before you ask the question, um, I just want to make sure that. I can make this happen as long as you guys pay John Sadak in the gift card department. Oh, deal. <laughs> so new pants for the players as long as Sadak gets uh, gets his <laughs> gift card. Yes, we need to know for sure if Michael Ciani got new pants or not. Because I feel like he did. I was looking close right underneath the buttocks region, and I couldn't see a patch the last couple of home games. Yeah. So, yeah, and for the folks at home that don't know what we're talking about here, which is probably all of them, um, (laughs) Carlos had the keen eye to notice that Michael Ciani was wearing patched pants in his Major League debut. Unreal. Um, And, you know, um, I – defended are um first of all the fact that i'm having to explain to a former player never to get on the clubhouse guy is i can't believe it this is uh almost unacceptable on your part carlos but um oh, i'll do my I best wore him out <laughs> as you know players are pretty particular about pants and um without you know seeking because you know i didn't really think much about it until um after I kind of forgot about it, um, so I didn't, you know, follow through on wanting to ask Rick downstairs about the pants. Um, plus, I didn't want to get thrown out of there either. So, um, I I noticed, and I talked to a few people, and they said players are very particular about their pants. Um, at the time, I think the Reds were playing had played their 66th player, so I'm not even sure how many pants were left down in the clubhouse. So. 
Um, it could have been a case where that was the only size or there was a couple sizes left and Siani said, these will be fine, but I don't know that. And I apologize for not following through on the investment. <laughs> you know what probably happened? So whenever you show up to your, your locker, there's two pair of pants, there's two jerseys, there's your BP jersey. So you have choices of what you're going to wear as a player. There's usually a batting practice pant and there's a game pant. And I'm thinking maybe he might have grabbed the wrong pant and grabbed the, the batting practice pant he because that's definitely possible. You know what? After losing 100 games this season, I feel so good talking about pants. This is like a, <laughs> a weight deal, off man. of my chest. I'm this telling is like you. Decompression. So thank That's you. one of my biggest regrets is not <laughs> owning a pair of my big league pants. Were you given those, the option? so comfortable. Were you given the option to take some home? Not the pants. I mean, I mean, nobody ever asked for the pants. Yeah. <laughs> so, and they're like, oh, you'll be back up. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. I'll be back. <laughs> Never well, everything, everything now, even since you've played Carlos, like everything's for sale. It's like, you know, oh yeah. if the authenticator wants to have your jersey because you had a four hit game, he's going to grab it, put a little sticker in it. And then at the end of the season, he's going to take it from me and sell it. So, well, that and tops puts like all the relic baseball cards together. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I did a hold on. I did some investigative reporting here, and <laughs> uh, Mr. Siani is the same height as Tommy Pham. So, Carlos, you can blame that on him. There you go. <laughs> they were probably Tommy Pham's pants. Yeah, oh, guys, you get tailored during spring training. If you're in big league camp, you get tailored like you're going for a suit. So they have all your numbers. Was Siani in big league camp? That's a good question. I think he was still in high school. Yeah. I mean, that was what, 10 years ago, it feels like? Yeah. Like big league camp felt like 10 years ago. Yeah. It was surprising. It was kind of surprising he got called up to triple A when he did. So, like, he was, I don't think he was like super on the radar. Yeah. There was a point this year, like in early September, I'm like, okay. I know I give the the prospects and everybody a hard time, but like I don't even know who these guys are. Who is Michael Siani? Nobody's ever mentioned him all year. And like it was just it came to that at the end. I'm like, what the hell he is was, happening? He was kind of a fan favorite in the chat every week. I, well, maybe not just him, but like there were several. But other I know exactly what you mean. Showed yeah, up, sure. and I was like, wait, who? Yeah, yeah Jibbo, I was like, who is that? Yeah, Siani's considered. Um, you know, he's in, he's he's in the top twenty prospects for the Reds, probably top. 15 maybe um it, but it was the other guys that we were kind of like okay we're gonna have to get to know these guys because we don't you know like ian jabot i had to do some research on ian jabot but you know we were all of those guys down there were you know they were incredible and they you know just i wish you guys could you know just get a feel for that that clubhouse down there where like you guys said you know there was like you know carlos um raised a good point earlier about how, you know, it was, it didn't seem like maybe a cohesive unit. And that's fair to say, especially when you're playing 67 guys throughout the year and, you know, through a rebuilding year, which you have a, a, a lot of players on your team on the IL, but those guys really, I, I'm just really proud of those guys that came in like the Ian Jabos and the Hunter Strickland's and Chase Anderson's of the world that came in and, were just absolutely professional and um, uh, and just knew what they had to do and focused and um, you know they knew what the deal was and they knew you know what the standing said and they still went out there every day um, you know believing believing in the team and I that I admire that because I've seen it the other way too and these guys you know these guys it's you know it, it's hard to pat a team on the back that lost a hundred games but. Um, in some respects, I think you can, and I think this is one of those. Um, before we kind of get into, obviously, the young rookies, uh, pitchers, and like how they kind of ascended through the year, because we want to, I want to start the good conversation on a good note. Mm-hmm. And being, you know, part of the Reds media staff and being director of media relations, did you guys get a lot of like? I know it's had to have been good feedback, but did you guys get a lot of like receptive feedback from Joey doing TV and radio after his, during his IL stint? Oh, I mean, you guys know, like whatever he does, he's focused. He's, he wants to be the best at whatever he does. And I remember 
briefly chatting with him after his, I think his first radio appearance, maybe his second one. Um, no, it was his first one because at like in the, I thought like, you know, are, you know, our, our direct, our uh, um, VP of media relations, Rob Butcher asked him, are you sure you want to do play by play? Because that's a different animal than color. And I thought Joey was great on color. I thought it was a little clunky play by play at first. And then he settled in like he does and was completely believable and smooth and made all the right calls. And it was just, it was amazing. It's like the guy has the Midas touch. Yeah. I know like we had like a lot of fun with it and there's a game when he's walking around the stands and like hanging out with people. Like it was cool. Like in a, a yeah. down year like this, it was, it was really nice to have those moments. So mm-hmm. yeah. Let's keep talking about some good moments, guys. Let's talk about our good friends, Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo in these next two topics. Um, man, those last five starts of the year for Hunter Green, how he ended the year, those last 14 starts. Um, look, I say this out of respect, Jamie, not to age you by any means, but you've been around the ball, the ball club for a, a long time. You've seen a lot of guys come and go. For you, seeing these two, which we're going to talk about Green and Lodolo into this conversation, and I'm sure Graham Ashcraft too, as we're looking to see him continue to grow. What has this been like for you? Do you know, like, I know you and I have had conversations off here about these two and like how fun they are and how talented they are, but like to be able to see up close what you saw them through spring training to now, what was that like for like, you know, working for the organization? It's so rewarding. It's almost my favorite part of the job when you see guys come up who, especially a guy like green, who's been so hyped. I mean, the guy was on the cover of sports illustrated when he was in high school. And so everybody's putting the, you know, they're putting a lot of pressure on him. And I mean, when I was his age, I couldn't imagine dealing with what he did accomplish this year. And what he did was he went out every day as a rookie, as a kid, barely in his twenties. And he performed whether he got his brains beat in and he did at times, um, he kept going and it's, he didn't lose confidence. It didn't like rattle him to the point that he had to get sent back down. He always came, he rebounded, he picked himself up and he pitched just almost like a 10 year veteran. Um, For a kid who's just learning this game, learning his pitches, even at the big league level, learning the, the culture of this game, learning how the clubhouse goes, all of that stuff was nothing short of amazing for me to see him pitch um, and after his final outing a couple of days ago or yesterday, I guess, I wanted to see how he stacked up with Mario Soto at a certain point in Mario's career, because Mario was the best pitcher on the 82 team, which the 82 team sh- definitely struggled. But I wanted to go back farther than that to see. And I, I based it on 531 batters faced. And that's how many Hunter Green faced this year. If you go through Mario Soto's first 531 batters faced and compare it to the first 531 batters Hunter Green faced, the numbers are absolutely comparable um, to the point that Green has, in some regards, better, in some some statistics, better numbers. And if that's what we have to look forward to as far as the progression goes, and if this season was like a microcosm of the things to come for Hunter Green, it's hard not to get excited if you're a Reds fan. And the same goes for Lodolo. Lodolo, having those two guys together in the rotation where you have one right-handed power arm that comes um, really hard at you, and then you have a guy that is a little tricky and who's very tall, and um, Carlos could probably tell you batters don't necessarily like to – like to face those tall left left-handers who release the ball seemingly right at your face. Um, though having those two guys somewhere together in the rotation is is pretty exciting. Yeah, I thought it was most impressive uh, with Green and Lodolo how how strong they finished the years. I mean, especially when you factor in that you know with Green, I think it was about twenty innings further than he had ever gone. 
Lodola was way past his professional career high in, in, in innings pitch, and they just continued to get better. And that's not that's not the norm. The norm is kind of how you know Graham Ashcraft kind of struggled a little bit at the end of the year. And no disrespect to Graham, we you know are very excited about his future, but that's I think the the normal rookie pitcher is supposed to kind of slow down as the year goes on. And, and those guys just got better and, and almost seemed stronger after they came back from those uh, um, those IL stints. It, and if, if I can add something to that, too, it's, you know, I think one of the big questions at the beginning of the season and one that I definitely asked was, how many innings are you going to get out of these guys? When do you shut them down if you do, which, you know, you think likely they're going to be shut down. But I think the way that, you know, things went, um, I know Green had to go to the IL for a little while, but he still came back and finished the season. Having both of those guys and, and Ashcraft come back from the IL to finish the season, like to finish what they started um, and, you know, put a bow on it is really beneficial for the team moving forward. One, you don't have to worry so much about innings next season because they have they have them already under their belt. They got that kind of stuff out of the way. But they also see what a big league season from start to finish is like. Um, and I think that's important for young pitchers. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, do want to ask you about, you know, obviously only, you know, first batter post all-star break fractures his collarbone, which absolutely sucked. Um, but Tyler Stevenson, just his growth from his first full season to his second one. I know we didn't put this in the chat. I was just kind of curious your thoughts on it, but um, you know, a bit, a budding all-star fought through a couple concussions Um made us just burn the conversation of catcher versus first base into the ground. We will never have it ever again. Um, but kind of get your thoughts being, or, you know, again, just from your perspective, being around the franchise for so long, what you kind of saw from him kind of really adapting and establishing himself as the catcher of the future. Yeah. I, you know, I appreciate you guys bringing up the name, these names because, you know, it's kind of cheering me up, you know, and, you know, bringing some optimism because just Tyler Stevenson, just his mere presence is, he lights up a room and he's, he, he just oozes like leadership. Um, he, 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 he's ready to shoulder everything. Um, incredible teammate. He'll, he's there for the media when things go bad, which I appreciate in my small world. Um, but on the field and what you guys got to see, um, even if, uh, you know, even if it was briefly or, you know, it left us all hungry for more because we know what kind of player this kid's going to be. Um, and to me, it's like, you just watched him from, uh, I think you all remember the, the, the 2020 game where he walked it off against the pirates as a, as a baby. And now he's like, you know, he's, he's the man now. And it's been like, like green and Lodolo. It's been just absolutely just rewarding to watch the development that Tyler Stevenson has done to become, in my opinion, one of the best catchers in the game. Yeah. I'm in a dynasty fantasy baseball league and I made sure everyone knew that they were not getting Tyler Stevenson. <laughs> Good if, call. I only, if I only get him 90 games, those 90 games are for me and no one else. So yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a guy that I could see that, you know, a lot of kids are going to be running around here at great American ballpark wearing his Jersey for, for a long time to come. And that's exciting. Yeah. I think like him and India are kind of really kind of fit that fit that market. So I think India would always be just be likable because yeah. the, you know, the lettuce obviously helps with that. So absolutely. Yeah. Well, we want to ask you about a couple of who also got some solid lettuce going Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and TJ Friedel, who really kind of exceeded expectations this year. And Jake Fraley, who, after he came back from the IL just went bananas and was really awesome for this team mm-hmm. when they really needed a bat. Um, Obviously, you know, what the way Fraley kind of came in, everyone being upset that Winker was traded um, and really kind of like made the fan base be like, look, guys, I'm here, too. Um, unfortunately, we just saw today Winker probably not going to be healthy for the marriage yeah. playoffs. That sucks. Uh, but, you know, TJ Friedel really kind of establishing, uh, especially for a franchise that's really, you know, when their second overall pick is struggling to stay on the field. TJ Friedel has really been a guy who's been taking that 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 uh taking that and really kind of establish himself there. So it's been pretty cool. Yeah, it has. And, you know, the thing about Fraley is 
you know, I think he was one of those guys that not a whole lot of people knew who he was when we made that trade. Um, but, you know, the, the, the folks here, Nick and his staff, knew he was an on-base guy. Uh, and the way the, the game is being played now, it's uh, name of the game is to get on base. So I think it was uh, – and he's when, he, when he's healthy – um, Jake's a really fine defender in, in the outfield with some speed. So it, it, it was something that I think the Reds needed to get in return in that deal. Um, and I'm not entirely sure that Jake was really at his healthiest this year at any point. Um, so, again, that's something that, you know, moving forward you can look forward to is watching a healthy Jake Fraley play baseball. Um, and he showed glimpses of it this year and. The power was a little surprising, I thought. Um, the on-base was not. Um, and I think maybe the the he was dinged up a little bit, so the defense didn't shine as much as it, I think it, it can. Um, as far as TJ goes, he's, he's a guy that, you know, that just what he's had to endure as far as, you know, um, multiple options, um, bouncing up and down to the big league team, finally gets a chance to really get a foothold on um, on being at the big league level. And he showed what he's capable of doing. Incredible defense. Um, his, you know, he, he can put a charge into one. He's, uh, he's bulked up. And I think that's a lot of um, where a lot of people um, not familiar with TJ Friedel um, recognize that he has put on some muscle. And um, without really sacrificing much speed, and so that's you know that's that's another thing to look forward to, and um, another great guy, T.J. Friedel, that who's easy to root for, and you really want him to succeed, and he goes up there with confidence at the plate, and you know, and I think it was spring training this year. Um, uh, I for, uh, I was uh, I forget what pitcher it was, but a. Uh, a prominent pitcher in the big leagues and he goes up, he's the first batter of the game, swings at the second pitch and hits it over the fence. And it looked like he was a, you know, he had done that a thousand times before. So that's something that's pretty promising for uh, Reds fans and TJ Friedel fans. Yeah. I thought, I thought Friedel was a completely different player when he came back up in, in mid August. Um, you know, <laughs> at the end of the year, it seemed like every time he came up, he was trying to get a bunt single or, you know, playing small ball. And, and then he's, you know, hitting balls 15 feet into the the, the seats the second time around. Uh, Fraley, he, he's developing a pretty strong track record. He had a pretty solid year last year for Seattle. This is a guy that had some really, really big monster seasons in the minor leagues. Uh, I'm starting to see some legit power out of him, and I'm kind of starting to wonder what his ceiling power-wise is. Um, this is a guy that's still, um, you know, 27, uh, still going you know, in, into his prime. Um, I don't want to put a number on it, but but I think this guy could have some legit power, especially in the ballpark that he plays his home games in. Yeah, I think he's capable of, you know, putting up, you know, similar numbers to what Jesse Winker could put up. And so that hopefully that can, you know, cushion the blow for fans that, you know, were, were that hated to see Winker go. And I didn't like to see Winker go, but maybe this will, you know, like I said, cushion it a little bit. I see these two guys as being good players for next year's team. But if 24, they're trying to make a playoff push, it's got to be one or the two. I don't think you can have both these guys on a playoff roster. There's not enough to go around for them just to be platoon players on a playoff roster, in my opinion, unless one of them separates themselves next year. But I don't think on a good team that you can have both of these style of players in one outfield. Yeah, that's fair. I think they're they're very similar players and what they bring to the table. Left-handed hitting with a little pop, some speed, play good defense. That's kind of both of these players – pedigree yeah base best case scenario one of them you know really goes and takes the everyday position and then maybe the other one does stick around as the fourth fifth outfielder on a on a playoff team well carlos kind of ask you a little more on that you know because i don't this i don't think you're wrong at all i think it's a really good point 
But do you think with the National League having a designated hitter now too, maybe that might play to them being part of a play those two being part of a playoff push? Uh, I don't think there's enough there for a DH just to be a sure. just versus a, a right-handed pitcher right now. Okay, yeah, that's fair. fair. I was, I was just getting your thoughts. Um, this is kind of a fun conversation, so we wanted to get to uh, before we kind of head off for the uh, for the rest of the off season, but. Um, Obviously, we're now at the point of Reds MVPs, right? We got to pick our, our team MVP. And Carlos, I saw on Twitter, already picked his, but I'm going to give him the floor to go ahead and make his announcement. I mean, I felt like it had to be the farm dog. I mean, you got to say something for being with the team for the whole year. I understand that there was, you know, your Stevensons, your Drury's, all those guys, but I mean, most valuable to the team is not saying that he's the best player on the roster throughout the year because he obviously wasn't that. He probably wasn't even close to that, but he was the most consistent. He did his job. Everybody roots for him from his teammates all the way to the top. Um, I feel like half of us fans can see that, and we appreciate that. But, I mean, for me, other than, like, maybe Alexis Diaz, but it's so hard for me to give – that to a relief pitcher who really didn't ever have to be tested at all. You know, maybe when, you know, a road game won a nothing on the road or something like that, but nothing was ever with much value. So it's hard for me to, even of being a reliever in the past, it's hard for me to give that to a reliever. Um, but there's something about playing all year long, being in the grind. Everybody saw how many times he looked like he was hurt and he got beat up. He was there at shortstop. He moved to third base. He didn't like it, and he was better defensively at third base than he was at shortstop. And just learning on the fly. I mean, how did I don't know, Jamie? Do, do the players vote on this? Because I wasn't there at the end of the season whenever the Padres did it, so I don't know. Do the players vote for the team MVP I or is that? I don't think so. I I, I, I could be from? I could be wrong. I I don't think so. But uh, I I agree with everything you said, and that's. To me, far and away, is your if you have if you have to pick um, your uh, most valuable player on an unsuccessful team, then it's without question in my mind, Kyle Farmer. I'd go I'd go with Alexis Diaz. I mean, he was on the team the whole year too. I would say he's the only player that was on the team the entire year that played at an All Star level. I mean, he had a one point eight four ERA. Uh, I mean, he was really, really good. I mean, I don't think Farmer's a bad choice. I think you definitely make a case for, you know, Drury. Even only only played a couple months. I think you could make a case for Luis Castillo, who what pitched like six weeks for the Reds, and still I think led the team and and wins above replacement. Um, I, I'd go with Diaz just because I think he was the one player that was actually like at an All Star level um, on the team. But again, I'm not, I'm not gonna <laughs> put my stake in on this one for sure. I don't think anybody's putting their stake in the ground <laughs> on this one, buddy. Oh man, yeah, because those are the those are obviously the two names that came to my head. But I think I, I would stick with. Uh, I think I would stick with the farm dog. I think I'm going to go with Jamie and Carlos on this one. It's close between those two for me, um, but you know, we're also talking about a guy who had multiple positions in the batting order, not just that, like, what he was doing defensively, but he was being moved around the order depending on the night and the matchup. So there's something to say about like kind of like being taken out of a rhythm at times and he managed to kind of be a professional and keep doing his thing all year. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to stick, I'm going to stick there. And two straight years. I mean, he has completely outperformed, um, any projection system, you know, two consecutive years. He's done that, you know, played, played good defense. So yeah, I'm, I have nothing against farmer. Just if, if my vote, I would uh, go for DS. Nick, you know what happens when you say that? That's why we don't pay attention to expected stats on this show, Nick. (laughs) (laughs) Nick, you know you can't say anything about Farber without the whole internet going nuts. So yeah, I know our chat's busting now. Yeah, here comes the Kirby hates Farmer t- hashtags. I know it. <laughs> uh, oh man, sports. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, we know how fun your job is on a night tonight basis. <laughs> maybe not so much. Maybe well, maybe like maybe a- before we wind down. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Carlos. Oh, I just wanted to like before we got. Um, before our time ran out, man, this hour goes fast. I do like talking to you guys. Um, uh, I like I was going through some things earlier just to prepare myself for coming on. 
so I didn't like look like a complete idiot. But I think for fans that want something to look forward to moving forward, um, the comparison of the Reds beginning in 2014 um, and the Braves in 2014, both were coming off playoff years. And the two organizations went different directions. Um, the Braves obviously made the right choices. Um, they had to eat it for a few years, um, but now they're perennial, sustainable playoff caliber teams that Tim thinks might win the World Series. Um, and I think the Reds didn't quite go that direct. Well, they didn't go that direction, and um, you know, they um, some of the decisions may have um, put them a couple years back from what the Braves are now. Um, but I think the moves that the Reds are making, um, um, that Nick and his staff and um, the front office staff are, are, you know, instilling the confidence in him to make, are very, very similar. Um, just based on the, 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 the best players on this Braves team, um, they're either homegrown or were acquired in trades that Braves fans at the time probably did not like. Um and so, like, their best player isn't their most expensive player, per se, as far as payroll. So I think what the Reds are doing is very similar to what the Braves have done since 20 – or what they're doing now is similar to what the Braves have done. Um, and so I hope that brings some hope and confidence and optimism to the fan base. Yeah, I know, Jamie, there was – a lot made about a certain comment that I'm not going to bring up on the show. But kind of to your point, what you're talking about, what does it mean to you or, or what do you think about the idea of, you know, everyone always talks about the Reds and like, oh, well, this is going to be the next three-year window. Uh, do you feel like the organization is trying to get out of that window talk, like there shouldn't be windows and trying to have a sustained success? Is that kind of what you're you're gearing towards a little bit with kind of what you were saying there? I think the decisions that we made that the Braves made that we didn't, um, I think we were trying to go at it at a different, with a different strategy where I think everybody didn't really want to go through losing or, you know, rebuilding or getting rid of some of the popular players. Um, in my opinion, um, and this might not be a popular one with, fans, but I think there are times that you kind of have to take the, replace the engine in the car. And that means you can't drive it for a little while, but when you do, it's going to be the best car on the block. And, um, I think that's what this team is doing now. And, um, you know, call me crazy, but I believe in it. And I think it's, uh, I think other teams, uh, the aforementioned Braves, but there are other teams that have done it this way. Um, that have achieved sustainable success. So I can't guarantee that that's going to happen, but I think the steps are in place now more than they've ever been. Um, and I know that's kind of hard for people to listen to and to stomach, but, um, you know, I, I, I can only just, you know, tell you through the eyes of a guy that's been here for a long time and for what I've seen. And, you know, it's not a spin. It's something as a lifelong fan of this team, um, and a longtime employee that I see and I can feel it. The Astros would be another good example. Yeah, it's a perfect th example. Three straight 100 lost seasons. Hopefully, hopefully we're not. We don't have to go through that first. Um, I think we're a little bit ahead of the curve than they were uh, on their first 100 lost season. But um, now look at them. I mean, the, the the perennial AL favorites every year for year after year after year after year. So yeah, I mean that's definitely you know what we hope we're getting towards and. We're all rooting for that. That's for sure. I think the Guardians are a good one, too. I mean, if you look at, like, getting Absolutely. Andres Jimenez for Francisco Lindor Absolutely. and how big that helped them out. They would like, be my second good. example to cite would be the would be absolutely Cleveland, who gets, you know, people overlook them every year, and they do everything right every year. Yeah, yeah projected to win 76 games this year. Yeah. They won Projections, the right, Carlos? <laughs> Always wrong. God, maybe. Like a being a weatherman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, let's kind of update real quick on some prospects before we round this out. Uh, Noel Marte went deep in Arizona Fall League yesterday, so that was pretty cool to see. 
And then real quick, kinda... there's no way to watch those games, the Folly games. I believe they're going to televise some at the end. That's typically what they've done. I don't think they like to televise them while the playoffs are going on, but I think kind of once you get towards like the World Series, they do like some all-star games and like the playoffs and stuff. Mm. Um, gotcha. I, I wish they would televise them. Uh, it would be exciting for those of us who have like, you know, stock in like six players that are there. We'll watch cell phone videos uh, until they're <laughs> televised and enjoy that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so we will be kind of keeping up with the, uh, how Noelvi does in Arizona Fall League, kind of keep you guys posted there. Um, also, Ellie De La Cruz is playing Winter Ball, uh, so we'll get some updates on that. And then do we have anyone additionally playing? Is WBC this year? I really have my schedules off of sorts. No, WBC isn't till till the spring. I don't yeah. – that was a qualifier. I don't think the Reds are going to have any um, – Jamie, okay. you – I don't think they have any other players that are going to be in qualifiers. I haven't heard anything yet. No, I I don't I don't know. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Awesome. Um, and then with the postseason coming up and college basketball season starting, where I'll be going crazy until my daughter's bored. Um, you'll see. This is going to be our schedule throughout the the rest of the time. Uh, we go through the World Series through the season ending before winter meetings and fun stuff like that. So. Uh, we'll keep an eye out for that. We'll keep everyone updated as always on our social media accounts. Uh, so, you know, so next Monday, October the 10th, we'll be, we'll be then Tuesday, October 18th, Thursday, the 27th, which I will not be on that episode. And then Thursday, November 3rd. Uh, so we'll be kind of doing that through the world series. Um, and Jamie, my last question for you before we wrap this episode up, um, I know you received a certain, certain podcast merchandise recently. Um, I know you're a big fan. Um, have you worn this to like, I don't know, trim the bushes, cut the grass? Like whoa, you can whoa, be honest. Whoa. It hasn't left my office yet, but <laughs> it will be my, probably my pajama shirt tonight. Perfect. Um, since you guys, you know, cheered me up today and made <laughs> me feel so welcome and optimistic. I may just celebrate by sleeping in tomorrow with my, um, you know, my lovely shirt that you sent me and I very much appreciate it. Of course, man, you do a lot of awesome things for us. <laughs> and I, I say this all the time when I joke around the fact that like I followed Jamie on Twitter for 10 years and now he's like one of my friends. It's kind of <laughs> awesome. He literally texts me when he found out I was having a baby to congratulate me. So that yeah. was really cool. So yeah, I love it, man. I'll probably see you in a couple weeks, I assume. So, well, I need to find, I need to get friends with people that are about to have babies. Cause we have a lot of hand-me-downs in the Ramsey house that I need Dude, to we'll- We'll take them all. <laughs> yeah, we'll take them all. Believe twins. Me. That that'll do it to you, man. When you have when you have two at once, and you end up with a lot of stuff. Oh, man, not ready for that. And we did not have that luxury for the with our first round. So, very happy about that. Um, Congratulations to you, Tim. Thanks, Again. man. Thank you so much. We're we're very excited. I know it's going to be a very different life for me pretty soon, <laughs> but I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah, I think that we touch on everything. Is there anything else we need to do? Nick? Awesome. Well, again, we gave you the schedule. So that's, what's coming up this, this throughout the uh, MLB playoffs. Please, please, please. I do this every episode. Take just a few seconds to go ahead and take subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, really goes a long way for us with our channel and kind of beating the old algorithm. Uh, if you want to have a cool shirt, like Jamie just showed, go to late night reds.merchmake.com. We have multiple colors in that T-shirt. So if you, if red's not your color, you're more of a blue or a black kind of person, we got those colors as well. Uh, and also, please, 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 whether it's on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Google, whatever you're using, a nice solid five-star review goes a long way to promote this podcast. We will be here through the off-season, maybe a little different on the weekend, week out, but we will be here updating you guys and everything going on. Have a great night, and we'll talk to you guys on Monday. And thank you for watching Late Night Reds Talk Live presented by Bet Online.
For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.